You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. There will be funerals this year. There will be doctor's appointments that they'll say things we don't want to hear. There will be prodigal children. I, I, it hurts me to think that. Prodigal kids. Mother and dad put their life into these kids and then all of a sudden those kids are going to betray them. There will be family problems. Some man may leave his wife and some wife may leave her husband. I know that sounds so depressing, but life is not always fun. It's not always Disneyland. There's sorrows. There's heartaches. But there are also going to be many joys and many blessings. There's going to be meetings in this church that God gets in it. There's going to be services that we sense the touch of God. There's going to be great victories won this year. This may be the year that God gives us, gives us some of these buildings around here, some of this property around here. God just may do that. Uh, it's not that I'm wondering if he's going to do it. I expect it. If the Lord carries, I do expect it. Paul is writing. He knows his head is going to be, his head's going to be severed from his body. He is in prison and he knows what's happening. I think on these monitors, they're just got a little ring up here. I'm so sorry to bring attention to it. And, and tonight, if he tarries, uh, it, 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 we'll see some difficult things. Paul saw these things coming to pass. He knew what was coming down. And so he said, I'm now ready to be offered. Though we all expect to live next year, I would ask you, would, would you get ready that it could be your last time? Your last day, your last time to sing? Your last time to preach the word of God? Your last soul to win? I'm reminded of uh, Brother Rene Willette. I, almost every night, I think every night we pray for him, my wife and I. He's been my age and he's preached all over this country and world for so many years. And just last month, they took his voice box out. He'll never speak again. I just can't imagine Christmas with his kids and grandkids and his wife. And he loves the Lord. He's a good man. And I thought so many times about his last words. He said he went to the hospital and his last event before the surgery, he won someone to Christ. I think we ought to live with that passion all the time. This could be our last day. This could be our last year. Some of our other preacher friends, I mentioned a few this morning, and those and others, they thought last year at December 31st, they had the entire year ahead, but God chose to take them. God chose to take a preacher's wife this last week. God, 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 God knows what he's doing. You think this church is going to be exempt from deathbeds and sorrows and funerals? 
I got a preacher friend. I talked to him a couple of times a week, and I talked to him yesterday. He's by his mother's bedside. And yes, she's elderly. She's a preacher's wife, and her husband's with the Lord. But he's awaiting. Maybe tonight will be the night she's ushered into heaven. They know it's any day now. The apostle Paul knew his journey was over. I can't imagine knowing that my journey was be over with my wife and marriage. I'd go home to be with the Lord. I can't imagine not being the pastor of this church. I can't imagine not seeing my kids or whatever the case might be. And here we have, we have a man that's ready to go. I'm concerned tonight for our churches. I'm concerned for our families. I don't believe unless there's a revival, I don't believe you're gonna have churches like this five or 10 years from now. I'm not being negative. We're losing them, we're losing them so fast. So many of our graduates around the globe are doing so right, but so many of our, our boys that came to college here are being hijacked. This new philosophy. We will not reach the world with compromise. Canceling Sunday night, canceling Wednesday night, getting rid of Sunday school. Uh, we're, we're redefining masculinity, even in our churches, fellas, dress like a man. Walk like a man. Oh, oh, stand around. I can't even stand how, don't, don't, don't do it. Don't be getting your nails polished, man. Don't go the curly perm route starting to show up in this church. Don't go that route. Man, don't need to go the curly. You're just jealous because you, uh, I I shaved my head this way. I could have a full crop of hair. I mean, I could grow hair everywhere. My nose, my ears, it just comes out everywhere. I got to take care of it all the time. I just can't grow it up here. Fellas, don't feminize yourself. Soft, little tight little jeans, little tight little t-shirts to get your little bee sting muscles out there. I'm so, I'm so strong. I work out all the time. Singing like, singing like sodomites. <laughs> whining, whining. Breathy, sissy. I, I, I told you I'll get a voice back. I'm going to get it. Because I am so burdened of masculinity. It's out the window. Femininity is out the window. Christian ladies, the word of God says that you dress in modest apparel, not like you're for sale. If you're size, size six, don't squeeze into a two. I'm just trying to help you with men and help you before God and helping holiness in our church. We dress the same, male and female. We act the same. Man gets so drama queen. What is that about? I'm a little bit offended. Well, grow up. Become a man. Masculinity. Femininity. I'll get to some scripture. Because Paul is dealing with these things. Femininity. Ladies, the Bible says keepers at home. Now, wait a minute. 
It doesn't mean you cannot work outside the house. That's not what keepers at home. Keepers at home simply means you're domestic. Domestic means things like the decor of your house. Is it beautiful? Is it a castle? Does it look good? Does it smell good? Are there meals? Ladies, there needs to be a nightly meal. Monday night, Burger King. Tuesday night, McDonald's. Wednesday night, pizza. Thursday night, you're all on your own. Friday night, Chipotle. Saturday night, no, 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 that's not a meal. They have this little thing in the kitchen. I don't know, I think they call them ovens. And these things are stoves. That's to make a meal for your family. And then, please hear me, I've said it for decades, you raise good kids from an evening table. You have beautiful music. We play that, that new CD of Brother, uh, Brother Brian, see you shaking your head, uh, exactly agreeing. I, we play that song, that new CD of Brother Galvan all the time. You do too, I can tell. I'm so glad God brought you and Circe into our life. You're a blessing. My goodness. I feel like having you tell your testimony tonight. I, I won't get to it, but a miracle story how God, five months on death row, God raised him up. Running for God. Grew up in grew up in church, went to Bible Baptist Bible College. Contemporary worship made man so talented, his wife so talented as a head nurse. Got in the fast lane. He's told the testimony. I'm going to have you tell it in January. You get ready. Chago, you get ready. Raymond, you get ready. And life reeled out of control until he's all yellow and he's laying in the hospital bed for five months. He said, you're dying, son. God brought him back and he said, they're over here playing tennis. And someone said, come to church. You have bred such a breath of fresh air in our life. My wife talks to you, Brian, more than she talks to me. Seriously, did you know that? Yeah, she does, because you talk to her too. People like Brother Brian and seriously, they remind me of the Apostle Paul, that God just took his life and, and turned it upside down, inside out. And what a blessing he's been to this church. Amen. Your homes are so important. When God, God might just bless your family with children. You're going to be such good parents, raising them at a table, spending time with those kids. Friends, we're losing the homes in America. We're, we're losing the homes in our churches. What, with our, what training is going on? What social skills? What listening skills? Ms. Treber taught me years ago, dealing with children, if you don't have their eyes, you don't have their ears. You've got to get their eyes. Listen to them and, and talk to them. Penmanship is out the door. Most kids have no idea how to write cursive because we don't write anymore. Grammar, 
chores, chores, work. We live in a society, no one wants to work. Dignity, class, submission. I was so proud both Saturday night and Sunday night. They played the Hallelujah Chorus, Brother Doug, Pastor, God bless you. You know what? They started playing the Hallelujah Chorus, the whole congregation stood. Why? That's, that's appropriate. That's what the king did when he heard the Hallelujah Chorus. Uh, we had the police here last year and honored them, and, and they all, I didn't have to train you how to treat the police. I was talking to the chief, uh, stopped by my office uh, a couple weeks ago, and he said, North Valley, there's nothing like it. He goes, we, we had a special police appreciation day, and they stayed for about 45 minutes and just talked to us. Those kids, those parents, can we have pictures together? Uh, they came walking in here. And, and people stood and applauded. It's just, I want a church that has some dignity. Class. Those how to do things. I'm getting where I'm going. Are we training righteousness in the home? Are we training the Bible? Are we training work and plight and, and listening and kindness? Here's what the average home is. Videos. Games. Social media. Cell phones. Starbucks, take our kids everywhere and young couples, they do the same. Where it, and I'm, I'm pleased I'm not against any of these places every five years or so. Go to Disneyland every three-day weekend. Got season passes to go 400 some miles to Disneyland. Got Disney World. We got Great America, Legoland, Knott's, Stadium, Snow. The snow is here. We're the number one snow state. Got to go to snow. We'll go on company time. Not God's time. Amen. And don't be going all the time. There's 10 or 11 legal holidays. What are you going to do? Stay home. We, you'll, get, you'll see next week your calendar of keeping track of your attendance. Of course, this year we could not go anywhere. And you don't understand why. And the press on year, we could not go anywhere, COVID years. But I can't, I look back here, in 36 months, I've been gone one Sunday. To God be the glory. And I'm not saying, I believe you need a vacation. I believe that. A Sunday or two. But not six or eight. It's a shame when I have to pray that leadership comes to church just saying, get to church. The Apostle Paul is writing really somewhat his farewell address, and he says, I charge thee. This is not just some a suggestion, it's a charge before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick, the living, and the dead at his appearing. He said, I want you to know we're going to stand before God. We've talked about that a lot as a husband and wife this year. She said, it's such a sobering thing that I'm going to stand before God at the bema seat judgment of Christ to receive those things done in the body, whether good or evil. I'll never stand before God for my sins. 
My sins have been covered by the blood of the Lamb. I'm accepted in the blood of Ephesians 1, 3, Ephesians 1, 12. Uh, uh, what, when the devil, the accuser, Revelation 12 comes and accuses me, Jesus takes up my defense before the throne of grace. I'm grateful for salvation. I'm grateful that I'll never stand before I've sinned, but I'll stand for my works. And if they're fleshly and, and laziness and selfishness and prideful, there'll be wood, hay, stubble, they'll burn. Or if they last, there'll be gold, precious stone and silver. And what will I do? Walk around heaven with my diamonds and my gold crowns at one. Oh no. Revelation 12 says, Revelation 4, verse 12. We're going to cast them at his feet and say, Thou art worthy to receive honor and glory and majesty and praise, dominion forever and ever. He is worthy. And he'll receive the crowns from his children. So Paul writes, he said, I want you to know we're going to stand before God. In verse 2, we'll come back. It's our text, and I'll try to wrap it up. He said, I want to tell you in verse 3 what's ahead of you. The time's going to come. It's going to come. We'll not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. We, we can design our own church now. Go online. What kind of church you want, you can design it. If you don't want hymn books, you, you can figure out which one to. If you don't want preaching, and thus saith the Lord, and you don't want a shepherd, you want a preacher to marry and bury you, that's about it, and do some little ditty, and you can get church done on Friday night, Thursday night now, in much of Colorado, Thursday night, and Friday night, and Saturday night, get it out of the way. So the preachers say you can have a three and four day weekend. We worship God on Sunday because it commemorates the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store. God has prospered him. Matthew chapter 28, as they came the first day of the week. <coughs> Pardon me. The first day of the week, they came and found the tomb was empty. And they assembled themselves together. And notice in verse number four, people want it this way. They shall turn away their ears from truth and shall be turned into fables. I don't want the truth. When was the last time that we ever as a Christian convicted over anything? When was the last time the Spirit of God says that's fleshly? That's selfishness. That's pride. That's egocentric. That's, that's showing my insecurity. There's something wrong with my life and the Spirit of God. When was the last time, if you're saved, John 16, the Holy Spirit lives within you. He convicts us of sin. When was the last time he convicted us? When was the last time he said, don't say that? That's why I was sitting here because I really felt like the Holy Spirit of God. I saw Lincoln right off the bat. I said, it seemed like the Lord said, why don't you ask him to pray? I said, I debated. I said, no, Lord, I never asked a child to do that. And he's visiting back home. And I went on about four times. Finally, I said, Luke, I believe I'm going to ask Brother Flood. I said, I believe I'm going to ask Lincoln to pray. I was just so impressed upon that tonight. For some reason, that was the Spirit of God. And that little prayer, I want to get that online if I can, put it on my phone. That helped me so much. 
Maybe a seed was sown in that little boy's heart tonight, young man's heart tonight. Maybe one day he'll preach in this church. The Bible says in verse, you're listening, well, I'm not even near my message. I'm trying to rip it up, get it up. But watch down all things. He said, I'm going to die. I want you to listen to Watch. Keep your eyes open. Watch. Be alert. God's people that are listening and God's people at North Valley, keep your eye open. Watching all things, all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of the evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Back to our text. I have a long message now, but I'll try to wrap it up. Verse two. Paul said there's, I want you to preach the word. I want you to be in season, out of season. When, it, when you feel like it, when you don't, just keep it at it. Then it gives us three words, reprove, rebuke, exhort. About four years ago, three years ago, four years ago, right before COVID or whatever it was, I spoke to the preachers at pastor's conference. I said, fellas, we're really good at number one and number three. But almost every one of us fail at two. It says to reprove. We're to reprove. Mom, dad, you're to do some reproving. Reprove is that you discover wrong and error. Our sweet Tabitha there, our daughter, she is a good mother. She has to discover when something's wrong in the home. Her dear husband has to, and their great parents, has to discover it. The kids are not speaking kindly. The kids are talking back, and, and I don't see that. The, the kids are not getting their chores done. The kids have a little bit of a bad attitude, and they don't. But a parent needs to discover error. I need to discover error in, in my, my, with me in my life where I'm neglecting my wife. Discover error. As a Sunday school teacher, you need to discover error. This child is missing every other week. I need to get to the home and speak to the parents. We discover error. Reprove. The second word is rebuke. You then deal with the error. That's where we drop the ball. Because we, none of us like conflict. And the last one is exhort. That means encourage. I said, preachers, we're really good at, we can, we can find the error. We can hear music in our church that's not right. We hear it. And we can encourage them and get it. Thanks for singing. Thanks for your faithfulness. But the middle, if you're going to keep your church sound, preacher, not only do we discover it, you're going to have to deal with it. I'm certain sometimes leadership people and staff and people get weary of me because I've, I'm finding things every week that I just don't like it. It might be a little thing. It might be... Uh, Yesters are playing, they're playing um, tic-tac-toe in the back of the church. They're not. Somebody's in the kitchen, they're drinking coffee during preaching. I'm going to deal with that. We have couches over here in the bridge and tower, and this is not happening. But if I found out people were just sitting there, coming to church and sitting there during preaching, I'd deal with it. If they get sick, that's one thing. If a child is, is noisy, I, that's another thing. I understand that. But if we're just out having a coffee time while pastor's preaching and pre, pre, praying that people get saved, we're going to put a stop to that. 
And by the way, I do not like doing that. But I care too much for this church and for your life. We have people in churches all of America, they never come to the church, but they're always busy doing something during Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. They refuse to come to the church. God says he to reprove, rebuke, exhort. And as parents and as a pastor tonight, my challenge to us tonight is that we would learn to reprove. I know you're going to think I'm strange. I've preached a lot in this country for the last 45, six years. I can tell where a church is going. I can tell where a pastor's going before we ever get to the church. They'll pick me up at the airport. And I said, have you heard this CD? That's a good CD. And they'll play it. I'm thinking, buddy, why did I come here to believe my people? Because this music is tipping up against the sound is not right. He said, do you tell him? No, that's, he doesn't want me to reprove him. I can go to church when I, when I see, when I hear music that's not right, when I hear words, when I hear, you know what? I love the word connect. But I can't use it anymore because connection in our churches means drop Sunday at school and have a connection group. And I hear, bless us as we connect with one another. Help us to follow a good mentor. I love the word mentor, but it doesn't mean any longer. And I help us to be very, this is a buzz one. May we be very diverse. If our mayor's watching right now, our mayor knows what that word means in the city of Santa Clara. It means we are all for the LBGQWYZ, whatever all is. Because that's what diversity is about. And I'm here to pray in the pulpit. Help us to be a diverse church. Diversity used to be a good word, but it's been hijacked. Mentor's been a good word. I know you look at me like the guy is strange. Uh, outreach. We don't have soul anymore. Everything's outreach. What are you doing for outreach? Why can't we keep a word that deals with the souls of man? Everything has to be. And then when the pastor, I'll say, Pastor, where's the choir? Well, you know, we have frontline singers now. And I got on a plane and flew across the country, beat my body down for this. And then they start services, and it's always this way. The little praise goes up there. Are you ready to worship? It's, that's the way they, all over, fundamental church, are you ready to worship? We're here to worship you. A lot of times when I hear all that publicly, I wonder what kind of private worship you've had. Look, I, I've been at this thing over 50 years, folks. I've watched it. I, I don't want you to say, well, man, you're against everything. No, I think you ought to breathe once in a while. We want our freedom, Brother Trevor. We want our liberty. Yeah, that's what alcohol does. We say, we want freedom. I want to drink. And now we've got churches saying that wine's okay. 
But God says don't even look online. God says don't give it to your neighbor. Uh, God, God, and I know they explain these verses away. I know God said wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not. But now in the pulpits we're, we're saying it's okay. Everything's okay. Hey, dear preacher friends, dear churchmen, when did you ever take a stand for anything? Anything. Anything. Male masculinity. Uh, 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 keeping babies alive. Men dressing like men. Women dressing like women. When was the last time you stood for anything? How come everything, well, boy, he's such a legalist. No, it's a biblicist. Paul's getting ready to die. He said they're going to not take heed to doctrine. Instead, they'll have itching ears. Tell us what we want to hear. We don't use the word church anymore. It's community. I like that word church. Ecclesia, it is a called out assembly. We're called out of the world unto Christ together right here. We used to say amen in our church. Churches do not say amen. You know, you just sit there. How do you sit there? Many things about tomorrow. And she said, how do we sit there and Drugs, you know, we, the, the, we, we want our freedom. We want to do, no, drugs enslave like alcohol enslaves. You lose your freedom every time. Your dress, I want my freedom. You're going to lose your freedom. Compromise, I want my freedom. No, you're going to lose your freedom. Liberalism, I want, I want a, a different approach. You're going to lose it and you've got little, you have little eyes watching you. I'm out of time. I've said that four times. I brought this article. Normally, I never bring the news. But I, I've been hearing this word. I didn't know what it meant. And so I did some research. And maybe you don't know. You've not heard it. But it's, it's, it's the big thing. 29% of our population is bought into it. And this sounds like you... It's probably not you. But it's the Dink, D-I-N-K society. So you probably know what I'm talking about. D-I-N-K. Stands for double income with no kids. Dink. Mr. Trevor and I were married one month short of seven years before God gave us a child. And we didn't know if we were ever going to have a child. Because you're a young couple and you're both working a job does not mean you're a bad person. I just want you to know, and, and you're seeing it, it's, it's everywhere. Articles written about it, groups assembled, dinks, according to, are getting the attention this day. The, the typical dink, double incomes with no kids, the typical dink has 200000 in the bank, and they're not paying for pricing. Child care. It's double income with no kids. There's variations of dink. Now there's sink as well, S-I-N-K. Single income with no kids. And there's dink wad. A dink wad is double income, no kids with a dog. 
And it goes on and on. And they say the purpose of being a dink is we just want to do what we want to do. Extravagant shopping, exotic vacations, uh, every device imaginable, uh, play equipment, nice vehicles, go to the snow all the time, go hiking, and again, many of you hike, and I'm all for it. Go to Hawaii, go to Disneyland, go to the resorts, go to the massage, travel, we want to travel to Europe, play, toys. If we do cook, we want the most expensive pots and pans and all that goes with it. Listen, friends, I'm not trying to keep you in poverty, but that sounds like a pretty self-centered life to me. God's plan is still, at the present rate, we're down to 1.9 child, children, 1.6 children per, per family. It takes over 2.6 to keep your population. If, if by, by, by 50 years from now, at the present rate, if it wasn't for people coming over the borders, we'd go from 335 million people in America down to a little over 200,000. For societies to continue to exist, you need to repopulate. God says uh, that, that, that one of the blessings of God is to find a mate and to marry and childbirth, giving children a life and investing in that life. Again, if you were in the same boat Mr. Treber and I were for almost seven years, we wouldn't have had this church. Our double income, she sure didn't add to it. It was 25 bucks a week when we came here. And I'm not against you having uh, future account. Please, please, please don't sit here like, boy, he's preaching at me. I don't know of anybody in this church that lives that way. And if they do, they're not here tonight. They're at the snow. Or they're sick because they went to the snow. I can't see the Apostle Paul living a life where it's all self-centered. Our Lord never lived that life. He lived for others. Amen. And if we're going to have a year of success, we're going to have to learn to, in our own lives, reprove ourselves and rebuke ourselves. Find the air in my life. Deal with it in my life. And then encourage myself. Get back to church and sing. Amen. That choir blesses my heart just to hear them. And I know we're way down all that today. And I just, I watch them come in and fill that loft. Every service in the orchestra is way down. I know that. But thank God for folks to go see family. All that. I thank God for all that. Some of you better take inventory with your calendar. It's not all about play. Responsibility. I'm trying to train young preachers to be preachers, and I want to have the first session. It has nothing to do with preaching. It has to do with how it works. I'm very kind to these boys around here, high school, hello. But a high school boy or a college boy never puts the rake right or never puts the shovel right. 
A flat nose shovel should always be turned upside down. Not where you step on it, it can hit you. A metal rake, you don't keep it with the prongs up where you step on it and it bangs you in the head. After a work day around here, ask Brother Padilla, we gotta go around this property, find all the tools where they've been stuffed. And your kids have been so amazing. They wanna learn. I want you to teach them how to learn to work, how to get a job, and yet in the summer, still go to youth conference, still go to camp, still be in Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, but kids need to learn how to work. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.